Good evening and welcome to episode 303 of the JazzNet podcast. I'm John McCallum, I'm your host tonight. JazzNet, of course, is the independent Rangers podcast made by fans for fans, where the content is free. Uh, it's not just a podcast we have at JazzNet. There are forums, articles, social media. There's a great history archive. And remember, if you uh, are watching the pod for the first time, we would encourage you to subscribe, uh, share on social media, tell people who, whom you think might like it to come and join us. Uh, on tonight's show, we'll discuss today's match. Um, we'll dig a bit deeper on people like Seema, Cantwell, Tavernier uh, and McCausland. We'll look into the rumours of players being told they can leave. Uh, and we'll discuss, hopefully, our new head of performance and director of football recruitment. Uh, and if we've time, we'll have a quick look ahead to Friday's game, uh, to Wednesday's game, sorry, at Hearts. Uh, before we do that, uh, can I just thank Forest Precision Engineering, without whose support this would all be much harder. Uh, Forest Precision Engineering are a Glasgow-based engineering company, and they are a big uh, commercial sponsor of Rangers have been for many years and, and have also supported the pod now for a couple of seasons and we're delighted they're backing us and you can find out more about Forest Precision Engineering at their website which is forestprecisioneng.com if you don't require precision engineering in your life perhaps you might be interested in the Forest Precision Executive Lounge which is a hospitality area in the main stand at Ibrox and um, everyone tells me it is something special. Uh, for more information on how to book that uh, you can email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Okay that's the, the formalities part of it over. Um, I'm joined tonight um, by uh, a couple of well-kent faces, I think, um, from these areas. Uh, it's a week where Rangers have promised to deliver quite a lot and have had a failed. So Frankie's brought out the big guns tonight. It's the, the ant and deck of the Jersnet jungle. It's, it's Doogie and Chris. And uh, Doogie, I'll start with yourself. Are you well, sir? You, you're having parental problems there, uh, you said just before we came on here. Yeah, children screaming as always, uh, John. Right before you, you're about to take uh, take place in a podcast. Uh, I'm just sitting here thinking. I wonder who's Ant and Deck uh, between between Chris and I. But good, good to see Frankie's brought out the the A lister for tonight. Exactly. And then exactly. You and me. <laughs> it's uh, I, to be fair. I don't think anybody knows who's Ant and Deck. They just know that the two of them are. But I'm not entirely sure anyone knows which one's which. Um, Chris, um, Doogie has dealing with screaming children. You apparently have a, a, a very novel way of dealing with these things. Feel free to share that with us. Hey, I came, came in from the game. Had um, had a visit from Uncle and his partner. Had something to eat, and uh, my missus is putting the baby to bed as we as we speak. So I'm free to free to talk Rangers. It's like a, it's, it's, it's like a modern man in, in minuscule there, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful? I'm very, very grateful um, for the two of you coming on tonight and um, putting aside nappy changing and, and bedtime stories to, to talk to us about Rangers. Um, Chris, let me start with yourself. Um, after the exertions, and, and I think we'd probably agree, below par performance on Thursday evening. I think most of us were, were expecting some changes to the lineup. Um, I, 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 like most of us, I, some people we I text back and forth with before matches, and we had been discussing certain things, and we'd been discussing do we will can't well start, etc. Um, you know who else will keep the place? Will Goldson come straight back in the, the starting lineup? When you saw it, what were your thoughts? Did it did it surprise you in any way? No, not really. Um, I was 
pleased, pleased there was no Sam Lammers. Uh, disappointed there was a serial guessers, but I think that was, I think that's probably understandable. Um, Danilo has played quite a lot of football in the last few weeks, and also the Rangers are in the middle of this schedule now, as it culminates in the in the Old Firm game and then the Kelly game heading into the break. You can't rely on Danilo to go and play every minute of of every of every match. So I think it was probably a good a good um, game for Dessers to come back in. Um, but I think it also shows the positive of the of the Ranger number nine area. It's definitely an area I'd like to see addressed during the uh, during the transfer window because I thought the team looked better when Danilo was on. Um Dessers didn't have a didn't have a, a productive afternoon once again. Um, but that aside, I thought the team was kind of was kind of as expected. No, no surprises for me that they can't well started. No surprises that he started in that in that number ten role. Um, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about more in depth about that as the as the evening progresses. But I think it, it was a good team um, from the manager. I, just as as I expected, um, I thought he got it wrong on on Thursday by starting Cantwell on the right, not having Osland in the side, but having Lammers in, in the team. Um, but I couldn't have too many. I couldn't have too many complaints. Um, uh, every side this afternoon. Diggy uh, Abdullah Sima. Um, I think it's fair to say he's been one of the the few successful signings from the summer. Certainly, I think uh, probably we wouldn't maybe call him a, an unqualified success, but he's certainly been um, productive. Um, he, he knows where goal is. Uh, and in the last couple of months, he's definitely found some form and, and, and looked like the player that was perhaps hoped. Um, Clement told um, BBC Scotland after the match that Seamus sleeping in the spare room. I imagine you're no stranger to being told to sleep in the spare room. Um, Dougie, uh, what did you make of Seamus performance today? What, what did you think? Sure, I, I really like Seamus. Um, I think he is a type of player that we've been looking for for a number of years. Somebody who can play in that, that wide area, who's capable of scoring goals. Um, and what was interesting today about Sima is, you know, I, I get in a wee bit early to the ground today and I was just sitting watching the warm-up and the shooting practice and Dessers could not hit the target in the warm-up at all. Um, but the most composed finisher in that, in that warm-up was actually Abdallah Sima. Um, and I think that showed with the way he took his two goals. I think he took them both very well. But it's not just the goals. You know, I listened to, to Clement's post-match press conference um, before joining there. And um, Clement had mentioned that Seema is one of these guys that likes to pass to his players and not necessarily put his head down and, and, and go for glory himself. So I think it's pleasing that he is. Um, I, was, I was Googling there in terms of where he is in top goal scorers. I think he must be... So yeah, he's, he's he's number one now. It says ten. I think he's on eleven for the season now. But that's him now, our top goal scorer from from left wing, um, and that's what we need from from these players in the, the front line is, is guys chipping in with goals. Um, but as, as, as Clement said, good that he's he, he was a bit more selfish in front of goal. What I really like about him is he's he's big, he's strong, he's he's pacey. Um, he chases a lot of dead balls down as well. You can you can put the ball in behind and you'll you'll always chase them in. Um, I think he gives us a lot in that front line, um, but nothing more so than his goals. Um, yeah, big big fan. I seen somebody saying on on Twitter after the game that it was criminal that we've brought him in on loan without an option to buy. And you know, whilst we all want to to be able to sign these guys permanently when they impress at Rangers, there's some players that that. 
the option to buy is just not there because they're out with our range. Um, I can't remember the figure that Brighton paid, but I think it was about fifty million that Brighton paid um, Slavia Prague for 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 Sima. He was a big signing when when they signed him. He's out of our price range. Realistically, he's out of our price range right now. And I think um, if we get the option to bring in a player of Sima's quality every year, one loan signing, for example, that can come in and really affect the starting eleven, I'm all for it as long as the rest of the recruitment's right around about that one loan player. It's a funny thing, the loan players, they don't always work. Um, Ryan Kent, of course, came in on loan and, and the loan was made permanent and, and you know, that, well, I think overall it was probably a positive signing or some folk are maybe, maybe disagree with that. But Seema has, as I said at the start, I think Seema has been a successful signing. He's, he's the, sort of the, the one front player that's come in and, and, um, and Danilo's looked more like the kind of player we hoped he would be the last few weeks, but he's not exactly prolific. Um, whereas Seema has, um, is, you know, f- from a, a, a wide role, has brought goals to the team and, and um, you know, and he brings more than that. His work rate's fantastic. Um, Chris, Cantwell on Thursday, uh, getting hooked after half an hour is, is never a great move. It's not a great look for any professional player. He, he, he couldn't have been happy about that. Um, the manager was clearly unhappy with his performance on, on, on Thursday. You, know, you don't hook someone after half an hour if, if um, you know, at, at that stage in the match with, at 1 0, you're not hooking somebody at that point. That's, um, you know, he must have known what that would have looked like. He must have known. Uh, and decided it was it was well worth that. Um, today, Cantwell was in a new position. I actually didn't think Cantwell would start today. I, I, I thought he'd be on the bench today, but he's not only did he start, but he started in. But I think we all think is his best position um, in a more central role. Uh, he started there. <laughs> does that what does that tell us? Is that good man management and good player attitude that you know he must have been pissed off on Thursday night. Um, but, you know, he got his head down, he must have worked, he must have, you know, changed Clement's mind. Is, so is that good player management? Is it good player attitude? Or is it the opposite? Has, this been, has, has Cantwell been badly managed? I, I, I heard a funny thing earlier um, today or, or yesterday. There's a, there was an interview with Duncan Ferguson. I don't know if you caught, any of you caught it on, I think, Sky. Um, and I don't know if, I don't think Duncan Ferguson's going to become um, a great football manager, um, but it was an interesting chat with him and, and he spoke about the managers that he'd played under and how the players, the, the guy asked him, he said, well, what is it, what, what was it about managers that, you know, what was it that made certain managers stand out? He said, well, the ones that were successful were the ones that the players wanted to play for. The players liked them. And he spoke about Walter Smith. And he said, when Walter Smith came to Everton, he said to Duncan Ferguson, you're going to be the captain. He said, whilst you're here, whilst I'm the manager here, I won't find you. Won't matter what you do, I won't find you. Now, that's quite a gamble to take with Duncan Ferguson, it has to be said. Um, but what Ferguson then went on to explain was that at that point, he would have done anything for Walter Smith. And that was him. He, Walter Smith had won him over instantly. There was nothing he wouldn't do for Walter Smith then. Um, and, and that man management, I don't, I don't know Cantwell, obviously, I don't, I, I don't know him personally, I don't know his, his attitude, I don't know what he's like. He, he comes across as, as, a, as a pretty confident guy. Um, Clement must have understood how Cantwell would react to being taken off. Um, he's been fairly hard on, on Cantwell, I think. You've got the impression that he's not, you know, they're, they're maybe not each other's biggest fans just now. But he's clearly a, a, one of our most creative players. 
is he getting the best out of him? You know, what's your feeling on that relationship? I think overall the manager has actually handled it quite well because I think he was very, very pointed when he was asked about it, obviously in various interviews post-match on, on Thursday. He was very keen to stress that it was an issue with that game. It was an issue due to what he was doing on Thursday night, not a longer term thing of, well, it's been a tipping point. It's been he's not he's not been following instructions for three, four games now, and I've finally had enough. Therefore, I had to take him off and I had to embarrass him. I think he, he made a real play of it. Just wasn't right on the night, and I had to change it. And also the change then worked. Gosling comes in, scores a goal, does very well, and the team's a very different outfit after after that. Um, and again, post match today, he said, "I've, I've had this chat. We we'll both discussed." what went wrong on Thursday night and he was keen to frame it as an issue of, of that night rather than anything that could potentially be blown out of proportion or anything that potentially lingers. So Rangers then, uh, when the manager then speaks ahead of the Hearts game, it's not really an issue anymore. If Cantwell plays on Wednesday, it's not really an issue anymore. Um, so I think he's done quite well to put a lid on something that could easily have not exploded, but it could have gone into a bigger drama of new manager against one of the better players in the, in the side, one of the more high-profile players within, not just Rangers, but within uh, Scottish football. Um, Cantwell, I do have a degree of sympathy because he hasn't been playing, obviously, in his natural position, has been ha- has, has to do a job on this on his right-hand side. But on the flip side of that, if you're asked to do a job and you don't do it properly, there has to be repercussions of it just because you've shown in an old firm game six months ago that you've got a bit of talent and you can score goals. Does it mean to say you then get a free reign and you don't have to do the job the manager's asking for you? So Thursday night, I could see both sides of it. It was interesting. There's a real, real split, I think, on like the online side of it of, well, Cantwell's in the wrong, the manager's quite right, or the manager's in the wrong, Cantwell's quite right. And it was interesting to see how that, how that played out. I found myself almost in the middle. Um, I don't usually sit on the fence, but I found myself almost almost in the middle on that one because I could see both see both sides of it um, but I think both parties have actually come out of it quite well the manager looked strong because he was decisive and he made a change that helped Rangers on, on the night he's handled it well afterwards and Cantwell then gets credit for reacting in the right way getting his chance today I thought first half he was okay didn't really have that big influence on the game second half I thought he was a lot more influential of course he gets his two assists we'll give him the yeah, the assist for the first one, even though Seymour can stole off him and just put it away. The second one is exactly the, the second one's a type of goal that can't well can provide. It's that cutting pass, it's head up, it's playing forward. Very few other guys in the squad are capable of playing that pass and picking that pass. So I think he then gets a bit of credit for the way he's responded. So something that could have been quite bad and potentially derail Rangers, um, I think it's actually it's actually worked out um, fairly well for uh, fairly well for all sides. Chris, yeah, yeah, sorry. I was just going to ask your thoughts on, we, we, we obviously sat in a press conference when Yaris Hadji came in and, and spoke about his his game time at Rangers and how he was unhappy with his lack of game time. I think for me that shows the difference in, in management qualities between Clement and, and Beal because right after Hadji came out and made those comments, he was shipped out on loan. Whereas I think you're right with Clement here. I think Clement's managed this very well in terms of he's taken the pressure off Cantwell after the, the, the game on Thursday night by saying that he wasn't following the orders of the game. He's then said he's had to trust Cantwell in a position that's, that's not his strongest position because we've got you know lack of options elsewhere and he's, he's, he's needed to try him at right wing. He's then not showed a stubbornness 
today. And I think that was a big key thing for me is he's, he's not stuck his, his heels in and um, refused to play him in his number 10 position. Cantwell made the comments after the game or, you know, the fans have made their comments, their feelings known after the game and, and Clermont has played him in his strongest position. And I, I said beforehand it was a big, big game for, for Cantwell because he had to come in and prove that he could play the number 10 jersey. That's what he came out and said he wanted to play. And I think first half, I would say he was trying too hard. In the first half, he was he was coming too deep at times. Um, a, a, a lot of things weren't working out for him. But I think second half showed the Todd Cantwell that we began to see last year. Um, I think his confidence was growing throughout the game. And, you know, to John's point around management styles and, and players think they like to, to work for certain managers, my concern with the Clermont and Cantwell situation is Cantwell screamed to me as a, a player that liked a bit of a free role. And he was the one player that when Michael Beale left the club that wished him well and thanked him for bringing him to the club. My worry with the Clermont relationship was Clermont seems to be a bit more of a disciplinarian on the park, especially he likes players to be playing in a certain, a certain role. You know, he whipped him off after 30 minutes on Thursday night because he wasn't going outside, he kept going inside. He had a very clear game plan. And I just worried that um, Cantwell wouldn't be able to follow instructions like that from a manager. So it was good to see him get the nod today. And I think I think he showed his worth with the, the two assists. And um, when you start to look ahead to, to the game midweek, I think Cantwell was one of the, the first picks on the the team sheet for me now. You know, Seema, Cantwell, they, they are definitely two players that start in that front line. There you go. I think we're all in agreement for once. Um, Dougie, it's Dame you. Dessers, he came back into the side today um, that, that you could hear the collective groan all across Govan when the team sheet was announced. Um, he was involved in the first goal, as he did quite well for the first goal, but, you know, again, he really didn't impress greatly, I don't think. Um, more importantly, it was reported during the week, and uh, maybe Chris will come in on this as well, uh, but it was reported during the week that Redvan... Dessers and Dowell um, have been told that they can leave in January. Um, for different reasons, all three of them have been puzzling signings. Um, none of them have, have, have really worked um, for different reasons. Uh, I think Redvan, Redvan, I don't think Redvan's good enough personally, but he has been unlucky with injuries. Um, you know, just as he's got a run in the team, he's got injured and, and that's happened to him two or three times. Um, are you happy at this news or any others that you would be encouraging to 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 leave too? Um, you know, is this is this surprising news? Is you know again, can I go back to management? Is this you know how do you? I mean, Red Van came on today. Um, uh, you know, Borna picked up an injury, then he instantly becomes our first choice left back. Um, it did strike me as a little surprising that he, if if this is indeed true, um, that he's been told he can leave in January. Um, I guess he. Cooking and picking up another injury. Um, and likewise, Dessers, you know, Dessers still has to play games for us just now. Um, so I, I was a little surprised at this. What did, what did you make of that news? Um, do you think it's true? Uh, you know, what, what was your take on it? I think on, on Dessers' performance, first of all, I think, or his inclusion in the team, first of all, I think Chris nailed it earlier on that Danilo simply can't play every minute of every game. So we have to, we have to rotate. Kamar Roof made the, made the bench on Thursday night, um, wasn't on the bench today. I think that's largely because of European squad registration. Our, our, our squad's fairly thin when it comes to Europe, so there's a place in the bench for him. You can name more subs. 
when it comes to today, you've got a lot more players available to the manager. Um, I don't think Kumar Roof has has 90, he certainly doesn't have ninety minutes in, in him at the moment. So therefore, Dessers becomes the obvious replacement for for Danilo. But when we signed Dessers, he was a player that, that Michael Beale um, he chased. Um, we paid big money for him. I think it was rumored to be about the six million mark, the same as same as we paid for Danilo. And the big difference for me though is Dessers is twenty eight years old. When you sign a 28-year-old at Rangers, the expectation is that they're able to come in and hit the ground running immediately and make an impact on the first team. And what we've got is a guy at 28 years old who doesn't even understand the offside, the offside rule. So for, for me, Dessers just isn't good enough. Um, I, I, I don't like writing players off. I've, I've wrote so many off in the past. Um, I go back to Ravi Matondo. I wanted him gone last season and he obviously started the season very well under Beal. So I, I don't like writing certain players off, but at 28 and at that kind of money, you expect a much bigger return um, from Dessers. I said already in the warm-up, his shooting just wasn't there. Um, his hold-up play just isn't good enough for us. He's not strong enough. He he, he was so poor again today. Um, so it doesn't surprise me if if, if the rumours are true that um, Clement has, has said that he can look for another club. But given what I've just said around Ruth not being capable of playing 90 minutes, if we do sell Dessers, or if it's true that we're selling Dessers, we must be looking at a replacement because we can't we can't move him on and not bring somebody else in in January. So I think that would only happen if there's a replacement lined up to come in for Dessers. On, on Yilmaz, um, we've got a real issue at left-back. Um, we've got Borna Barisic out of contract in the summer. Um, as, as a number of first-team players are, um, be interested to see what happens on the contract situation with with Borna. Um, personally, I think his time is up, um, and I think we should be looking for a, a first choice left back. I do not believe that Yilmaz is capable of being our first choice like, first choice left back. When you pay five million pound, a rumored five million pound for a player at Rangers, he needs to be hitting that first eleven and, and, and making a big impact. Um, I imagine Yilmaz isn't happy that he's not playing as well, um, given that he's came to a, to a foreign country on that kind of price tag. So again, it makes sense that um, that, that he would be looking for an escape or, or, or potentially moved on. But like Dessers, and like I said before about Dessers and, and centre-forward, we need two left-backs at the club. Um, so if we are going to move Bonabarisic on and you do move Yilmaz on, you absolutely need to sign a first-choice left-back and you need to, to make sure it's right because it needs to be someone capable of hitting the ground running. Um, one player that I'm, I'm interested to see if he gets any game time between now and the end of the season is young Robbie Fraser, who I believe is a B-team captain. Um, similar age to Ross McCausland. Um, he's at a contract in the summer, so it'll be interesting to see if, if, if Clement gives him any game time, um, assuming that Borna and Hero Mats do leave, to see if he's capable of, 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 of filling a squad place next season. Then you've got Kieran Dill, you know, I, I had my concerns about Kieran Dill when we signed him in the summer, largely because of his fitness. He was a player that did have his injury history um, problems um, at previous clubs. So so I, I was surprised that we went for him because we've, well, I probably wasn't surprised because we've got a great history of signing players that, that have got a terrible track record in, in, on the treatment table. Um, but I'm not sure what his favourite or his most natural position is. Um, I think it's a number 10. And I just think we're so imbalanced in that number 10 position. We've also loaned Lowry and, and Hadji out. Um, we we have 
Cantwell Lawrence, who was playing number eight and out of position today, and the manager praised. And uh, you've got Lammers, and, and and obviously you've got you've got Dill there. We've not seen him featuring the number eight position as much. But what what I found quite interesting in the warm up today is that Dill was actually doing the warm up. He was involved in the warm up um, during the game today, and then he sat in the the director's box. So I'm not quite sure whether he's he's fit enough to play. He's certainly fit enough to be in training. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he does get any game time at some point between now and we, we we had the update post match about about Raskin. Um, his recovery isn't isn't going as planned at the moment. So there's there's an absolute need right now to be playing players in that number eight position. Um, so a bit surprising that, that if Dill is remotely fit, he's he's, he's not he's not involved. Um, but again, not surprised if the manager's looking to move him on because he's he's somebody that's not really been available for us and. And Clement seems to be a, a man that likes players that, that can play 90 minutes. I think he's very strong on, on fitness and conditioning. So again, not, not surprised by the three names. Um, the Probably the biggest surprise for me, John, is, is it's only three names. I think if you go through that squad right now, you look at our, our track record of, of transfers in recent years, they've been appalling. Um, it's, it's been referenced as, as one of the pillars that's really letting the club down at the moment. And I think that's so true. And I think that's why we've, we've brought in a director of football recruitment is we need to improve in that space and start to bring in the right players for this football club. Chris, um, uh, talking about recruitment that has worked, um, Tavernier got forward a bit more today and, and uh, you know, I thought he had a, I, I thought he had an okay game today, actually. But he's still not his, his, his buccaneering old self, um, as we would say. And, and I do think we miss Tavernier when he's not when you know when he, a, 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 a fit and firing Tavernier brings something to our team, uh, you know that 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 drive from fullback, uh, his ability to to create, to assist, and, and also to to score, um, I think is something we've we've maybe taken a little bit for granted. Um, do you think Clement's style and tactics suit Tav? Do you think he's being told to play a bit deeper? Um, and perhaps just just to to hold the line a little bit more and let the players in front of them and do a bit more of the attacking, or you know, is it is, is simply you know old father time catching up with him? Is he just naturally slowing down? Um, but either way, I, I don't think he's the player he was of a couple of seasons ago. No, I don't think he is. But that's that's like a natural decline evolution that you see, obviously with with all players, as you mentioned, during the uh, time weeks are. Uh, time waits for no man, unfortunately, and um, while Tav's certainly not over the hill and heading down the other side yet, it's only natural that it is going to become a factor. Matugi's um, talking there about uh, recruitment and the problems that I've got at left back. Within the next 18 months or so, Rangers are going to have to sign the successor to James Tavernier at right back because he's not going to be able to go on forever. He's not going to be able to churn out the, the number of games that he's played uh, compared to the number that he's missed. is actually quite remarkable. Um, yeah. And if, if only there was other other members of, of the squad that were as robust and as reliable as him, as Tab, sorry, now we can, we've all got opinions on him, him as a captain, him as a right back, him as a goal scorer, but you can't doubt um, the professionalism that it takes to continually turn up for training week after week after week, turn up for games season after season after season. His, his record in that regard um, is almost as impressive as he's as his goal scoring record um, at some point that's not going to be the case and Rangers will have to find a they will have to find a replacement for him it's not going to be easy also because what he brings what he brings to the side the influence he's got on the on the team as as captain 
I think in terms of his his role, it probably has changed a wee bit from Beal to uh, Clement. Uh, obviously, the manager now playing with more natural width in, in the final third. There's then less of a, a requirement on the fullbacks today. Uh, it actually provide that. Um, if you've got Seema on one side and you've got a McCausland or a Matondo on, on the other side, there's natural width and pace and attacking threat there. Um, so certain situations, it's nice to see the fullbacks obviously getting up and overlapping. Um, because on, on both sides, they've obviously both got uh, qualities in the final third. Um, other, other situations, it's my best for both of them or one of them, certainly just to, uh, just to hang fire a wee bit and not um, okay, go as gung-ho. So I think we've, we've maybe seen that evolution between the between the two managers. Uh, I think overall, since uh, Clement has come in, I think Tav's been, he's not been outstanding. He's certainly not been the worst performer in the, in the team over the course of the season. Um, I think that 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 then speaks to just his general his general level. It's very very rare you see Tav dipping down to like four out of ten stuff. He's, he's generally very very steady. Um, I said in terms of that, that robustness being there, he'll be ten castle on Wednesday. He'll be at the D game next week. He'll be in Seville after that. Having someone like that, not just as captain, having someone like that in the team is hugely important because Rangers over the last couple of seasons they could really do with four guys. Where you can just hang hang your hat on to turn up and put in a performance. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. As I think, as I said, I think it's just we just take it for granted. Um, I think I think Tavernier's full full worth to the club will not be felt until he's actually uh, left the club uh, until he's no longer playing for us. Um, Dougie, I think Seema and Cantwell will will probably take most of the plaudits from the match, but I actually thought Ross McCausland was the was my man in the match certainly. Um, I thought he was direct, I thought his link-up play was very, very good and, and I thought he basically posed a threat every time he got on the ball. Um, he's just committed himself to the club long-term, just signed a new contract and um, I guess you know, we've already spoken in previous pods about you know his chances of making it at Rangers and etc. But I really what I wanted to question with yourself was the fact that you know he's 20, he's 20 years old, he's 21 in May and He's, you know, he's not a young player. He is a young player. He's an inexperienced player, but he's not really a young player anymore. Um, and and it, when you see what he can do, when you see the performances he's put in and the options he gives you, I mean, he's not a game winner. You know, he's still, you know, his form might fall away. Um, he's quite slight. Um, and I, I do think, you know, as teams get to know him, he's going to start, um, he's going to start suffering from um, some of the more robust aspects of Scottish football and we'll just have to see how he deals with all that but he's been overlooked by Van Bronckhorst and, and by Beal uh, before now and both w- were managers who towards the end were desperate for a, a creative spark and he's clearly a player in the reserves um, that has one. You mentioned earlier Robbie Fraser and I've seen Robbie Fraser play a couple of times for the B team and the first time I saw him I thought he looked pretty good, the second time I saw him I thought I don't know. I don't. I don't know if you're going to make that step up. And the fact that he isn't, he isn't around the first team just now suggests that perhaps he, he isn't going to make it. But you do wonder why we continually do overlook, particularly in forward areas, um, why we are continuing to overlook uh, the youth players um, in their duty. On performance, John, I think what what what, um, what was good about Ross McCausland today um, was. He's just a round peg in a round hole. You know, none of the shoehorning players into a position that's not their natural position. You you, you play a right winger at right wing and you get a player that suits that, that style of football. 
Um, club once said after Thursday's game, he wanted Cantwell to be going on the outside. That's not Cantwell's natural game. It is Ross McCausland's natural game. But that's the bit that's really impressed me the most about him since he's came into this team. His willingness to um, to take ownership of the ball. Um, he's not afraid to beat a man. He's not he's not a boy um, shying from, from confidence. And I think you can see that with the players around about him as well. Um, a lot of times when young players come in, the first team players and the established first team players often overlook giving them the, the ball. Um, at times, uh, you've you seen it again today, guys like Tav always looking for McCausland because they trust him and they know he's not going to give the ball away cheaply. And that's a real big compliment for a young player. Um, but I'm a bit like you. I, I, you've got a question why young players um, don't break through when, when they come in and they, they have the talent that, that McCausland has. Um, there's a lot of development for Ross McCausland. He's, he's obviously getting on. He's, he's got his... Um, he, he's not he's not big, he's not powerful when we've spoken about someone like Seema, so potentially it's been a case of, of waiting until he's he's ready to play in, in, in the, the professional game. I think tactics is a big part of it as well in terms of um, Gio and Beal didn't favour wingers. They, they didn't like out-and-out wingers. I think I think he, he he's probably perfectly suited to the current manager that's in play. I think that's a big factor, but you can't always use that as an excuse because We've got an abundance of good young players around the academy that have not been given their chances. Um, what's exciting is, is, is I think Clement is a manager who will who will pick the best player available to him, regardless of age, but based on on um, on who suits his style the best. What was surprising for me was there wasn't more young players um, involved in the squad today. Um, with Tom Lawrence playing at a position, and I think he done he done he done well at number eight, but he's not a natural number eight. Um, I thought Cifuentes was terrible on Thursday. I didn't want to see him anywhere near the team today. And with that, I expected this to potentially have a Cole McKinnon, a Bailey Rice, or even a Leon King, who's been playing defensive mid for the B team. And it was a surprise to me that none of those players were um, were on the on the bench. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if if Clement is just playing McCausland because he, he was around the first team. He, he, you know, Stephen Davis gave him his debut. He, he was there. Um, we're really short at right wing. Or whether he is a manager that's really going to play the young players because we've got a few. We've seen um, Zach Lovelace really burst onto the scene um, before uh, Michael Beale got the sack. And um, it was unfortunate he picked up an injury because he would probably be the one getting the nod in that position right now. But I think... Ross McCausland maybe wouldn't have been given that opportunity if Zach Lovelace was fit. Um, I think Lovelace was ahead of him in the picking order, but damn, Ross McCausland's, Ross McCausland's taken that opportunity and he's, he's really grabbed it. And For me, that's what any player coming into the Rangers first team needs to do. You know, he's spoken about Yomats battling with, um, with Borna for the jersey. Matondo's obviously on the bench just now. He's coming back from injury. Cifuentes was given his chance. It doesn't matter if you're a young player or you're a, a player that the club's um, invested big money in. When you get your chance, you need to take it. And well done to Ross McCausland because he's he's taken it both at club and uh, an international level. Yeah, yeah. No, I think he's pretty much established himself in that first team squad now. Uh, I don't think you're surprised to see his name there anymore. Um, does does it start on Wednesday night though, John? You know when you when you go away to when you go away to Tynecastle, for example. Given given is is is. Um, his weaknesses of his game, for example, defensively, there's probably games that are more suited to Ross McCausland. Do you start him on Wednesday night when you're looking ahead to, to Hearts? 
Yeah, I do. I mean, we're going to talk about hearts. Um, so I won't, I won't get too far ahead of it. But yeah, I certainly would. I wouldn't have a problem starting with Cosland at Tyne Castle. Um, in fact, I think it's the kind of game that would suit a play a, a, a fast, direct player. I think Tyne Castle is one of these grounds where Hearts are probably more likely to be a little more expansive, a little more attacking, not quite as defensive as we saw them in the, the first two games. So I actually think that could suit because on suit Matondo as well, uh, the space to run into, um, hit them on the break. Anyway, before we get to Hearts, I want to I want to make sure I get in um, the changes at the club uh, through the week and uh, and the, the kind of boardroom and backroom level. So we we Chris we appointed I, I think you say his name is Niels Copen. Uh, I think I've pronounced that correctly, Niels Coppin, uh, to this role there on the week. Um, uh, let's be honest, our recruitment has been patchy in recent times. Ha- you know, I think it's only fair to say there have been some some good recruitment. Butland um, is, is good recruitment. Cantwell has been good recruitment. You know, we, we ha- there has been good recruitment, but it's been patchy. We, we've we've had a few uh, a few misses, um, and, and I think we've all agreed too many misses, too many misses that we've spent money on. Um, certainly. Um, so, I mean, I'm assuming that part of this remit is surely to come in and address that. He's another Belgian. So you're instantly thinking, well, you know, will there be some kind of rapport with, with Clement? That said, um, I, 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 Belgians are funny guys. You know, half of the country doesn't speak to the other half of the country. I don't know which part of Belgium he's from. I don't know where Belgian Clement's from. But anyway, you, you hope someone at boardroom level figured that one out before we brought him in. Um, and, and I think more importantly about his nationality is the fact that you know, Belgium, you know, Belgium's a bigger country in Scotland, but it's not a, you know, it, it's a similar sized footballing country to Scotland that, and it has um, punched well above its weight um, in terms of producing footballers in, in recent time. Uh, so he's come through the Belgium system, Belgian system, which I think is probably a good thing. Um, he's got a scouting background. Um, he's uh, coming from the Dutch league, a similar sized league, a similar a level of league um, to the Scottish league, I think it's it, it's kind of fair to say it's probably a slightly better league. But but again, it's at that level in Europe um, in terms of finances. Um, he's never done this job before. No one's done this job before because I think we just made it up. Um, but you know, he wasn't in in exactly this role at, at PSV. Um, but you know, what's been your reaction to his appointment? And and I guess, and I don't know if it's fair to ask you this, do you think this means we we will not be appointing a director of football now? I think that's, I think that's the case, John. They've basically decided to split the role, uh, if you like. So if you look at what Ross Wilson's um, role and responsibilities were, and you now look at the makeup of the football board, um, there's a lot of uh, individuals Taking more responsibility in their respective in their respective areas, so I think it's more of a a collective approach from Rangers rather than having a, a figurehead approach. Um, in terms of recruitment, it's going to be Neil's that's also driving that. He's brought in to oversee that side of it. Um, also, the appointment from Brighton, um, Tom Taylor, uh, it comes in to uh, strengthen the key performance uh, side of it, um, and that then feeds into academy of SFG comes in performance with Mark Waller and that, and that type of thing so it's more of a collaborative approach rather than one guy having not too much power if you like but rather than one guy calling more of, most of the shots it's now more people calling their individual shots um, so I, it's hard, hard to tell too much about him because nobody really knows much about him um, it's not a name that I'm as familiar with before I, before I heard the news on, on Friday so I, I can't talk him up too much I can't knock him down too much um, not had the chance to speak to him or to have any interaction with him yet, so I, I can't give you any 
in the insight to him, unfortunately. Um, I don't think he officially starts until the new year. Second um, um, yeah. of January, I think, as he's yeah. he's officially coming in. Um, the manager did mention post-match, he was asked about it, um, and he said he didn't actually work that closely together at, at Genk. Um, they're only there for six months or so together. Uh, while uh, Clement was working in the first team, he was working in the academy. He then moved on and, and went to and went to PSV, um, and that was the year that Genk then went on and won the and won the championship. So the manager joked that he missed the he missed the big party at, at the end of the season. He, he timed his exit badly. So um, if Clement can then make up for it and give him a party at Ibrox this season, just to, that I think he'll he'll probably settle for that one. But uh, I think at first people made the connection of two Belgians that work together at the same club. It's been a manager appointment. That doesn't really sound like it's been the it's been the case. Um, I see Rangers seem to be going for this broader approach to having individual specialists in their respective areas rather than having one kind of figurehead overseeing it. So I don't think we'll see director of football, sporting director, technical director type appointment. I think the the way that the that, that football board has now been has now been finalised. That's going to be the structure going forward. It has to work because it's not worked too often for or too long now. It's, it's it's an area of the club that's not not functioned properly. The, the cost of that, as we've all saw in the accounts a couple of weeks ago, has been has been huge. Um, and the cost of that on the pitch, again, as we all know too well, it's not been enough trophies. Now the, the spend in terms of transfer fees, the spend in terms of wages, is not. Um, that then doesn't tie in with... No, it's what's not right. produced what it should for that, that, for that, that investment. That doesn't tie in with no, what has been, been achieved. Too many managerial changes, too many overhauls of, of the squad. We're looking at another one come January and come the summer. So Rangers really have to have to get this aspect of the club nailed because without it, they'll never progress and we'll never get to the levels that we think uh, we're capable of and, and the levels that we all believe you know, we should be at. So it's, it's definitely a crucial appointment for Rangers. The managerial appointment in Clermont has to work. This appointment in Coppin has, has to work as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, good luck to, to Mr Coppin. Uh, I think we've, we all hope it does. Um, it, it's interesting what you say about the football board. I, I did notice that myself, and I did wonder if they have decided that that director of football, there's just too much, not so much power, but too much responsibility then uh, falling on the shoulders of one person. Um, which I guess leaves the club vulnerable if that person moves on or if that person is, isn't isn't doing and I suppose by breaking it up and giving this different roles to different people you you reduce the risk factor to the club that you know one of the appointments doesn't work out or they're poached you know they don't settle whatever um, I, I was interested because he has a UEFA A license so although he's not involved in, in coaching or, or that side of the game, certainly not for us. Uh, he has a UEFA A licence and Tom Taylor does too, Dougie. Um, and he's been brought in as our, our head of performance. Now, I, I'm not going to pretend to know a great deal about Tom Taylor because um, I, I really don't. But a quick look at his CV, um, you know, he's he's been doing similar roles um, and getting promoted and, and getting promoted over, um, you know, a kind of 10 year period. He, he had a couple of years at Hearts. Uh, he was the um, doing a similar role at Hearts, and I, I was trying to remember if Hearts Hearts players were fit and, and healthy whilst he was there or not. But I, I couldn't quite figure it out. Um, he was at West Ham, and, and then obviously more laterally Brighton. Um, now Brighton and West Ham are, are big clubs with big budgets. 
Um, Brighton in particular, obviously, are, are a club that a lot of people admire just now um, for the way they run and um, and the way they seem to be able to absorb changes, uh, losing big players, losing managers. They still seem to be able to do that. So it's it's interesting. Um, you have to assume that they get their recruitment right. So I think we're all um, quite excited about that. I think the one thing we will all agree on, Dougie, is that with our injury record, we definitely do need somebody to come in. And, and I think my understanding of head of performance, and it's a funny title, is that it's about fitness and conditioning. That that will be his his overall remit. Is that, is that your take on it? I think so, John. And I think so because of the previous roles that he's had. You know, you've, you've called out the clubs. Just look at the job titles. You know, it's been sports science, fitness coach, and then latterly at, uh, at Brighton, it was strength and conditioning coach. Um, so I think I think it's definitely going to be in the in the player performance element of of, of fitness and, and, and well being. Um, Chris used a great word earlier on, which was which was collaboration and collaborative. I think it's going to work hand in hand with the football recruitment side because we've seen too many players for far too often that have came in with their history problems, like we spoke about earlier on with Kieran Dillo. It's the same when we signed in guys like John Suter as well, even Kamar Roof. When you go back then, these are guys that we've brought in that have had their their problems. I expect these two guys to work closely together. You know, he'll be telling um, Niels Coppin exactly what type of player he wants to sign, and I'm sure that'll align to Clement's thinking as well. Hopefully, it means that we are going to be recruiting guys who are who are fit. Um, you know, Chris had mentioned um, James Tavernier earlier on. That's the kind of player that we need to be signing guys that 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 are. James Tavernier is a very very fit player, um, but he's a player that's always available. I remember going to a, um, a Stephen Gerrard Q and A when Stephen Gerrard first took over um, as manager of the club, and he was questioned on his appointment of James Tavernier as captain. And he mentioned that Tav just does not miss training sessions. And I think that's what we need to have more of. We need to have more guys like like Tav, like Goldson, that are just ever-present. They're available every single game. And hopefully if we get the football recruitment side of things, we are bringing in guys that have got that in their locker. And then Tom Taylor's job is to to get the best out of their fitness. And if, if we can get that right, then it's only going to benefit us on the pitch. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's good to see the club doing it. They've been intimating for a while that that announcement was coming, so it's good to see that when that is delivered. Um, I think we're all agreed that uh, it, it's it, they sound like interesting appointments. Time will tell, um, and uh, you know, hope they can they can rise to this job because it's a big it's a big it's a big jump from um, where they've been and what they've been doing to to. To being on the Rangers board or the Rangers football board uh, is a big jump. So, yep, good luck to two of them. Uh, okay, quickly, um, in the last five minutes or so, we've got looking ahead to Wednesday, Chris. Hearts are in decent form. Um, I, I read earlier that they have won their last four games, and that's the first time in five years that Hearts have gone on a four match um, winning streak, which is it's quite remarkable, actually. Um, I was I was actually quite surprised to read that. Um, so they're in, they're in decent form. Uh, we've played them twice in the last five weeks. And Scottish football throws up these strange anomalies where you get to play the same team six, three times in six weeks. Um, so we've, we've, we've played them twice. We, we've beaten them both times. Um, once at Ibrox, once at Hamden. And Tynecastle, though, is, is different. Tynecastle can be an, an inhospitable place at the best of times. It's it's one, I actually quite like Tynecastle. It's one of these grounds where the, it, it does feel like the, the crowd is on top of you. And if the Hearts crowd get going, 
they make more noise than than their actual numbers should make, if that makes any sense. They sound like there's double the amount there, I think, at times. Um, it's going to be a cold December evening. Uh, you know, we'll need to work hard for our, our, our points. So this has the potential to be a, a banana skin. Um, how do you see it going? Um, what's your, your thoughts going into this game, having seen us the last our last three games? I think the, the flip side to that, John, is it's got the potential to be a, a kind of defining night for Rangers. If you can if you can go to Tynecastle and you can produce a good performance, you can get a good win, it then becomes one of these markers. It becomes a kind of signal of intention. It becomes a oh, this this squad have got the quality. This squad have got the character. It can really be a really be a force for good. Um, that's a glass half full view on life, Chris. I am not used to this I'm type trying, of positivity. Trying, trying my best. Trying, trying my best. Uh, I wrote a piece for uh, for our website after the after the Aberdeen game um, on on Sunday. So every frames by Todriaz was a difficult place to go and win win the battle, win the war type stuff. And my point basically was Rangers are a better football team than Aberdeen. Go there, play your football, win the game, and take all of all of that out. Of it. Um, I think Tynecastle, Easter Road fall into a similar. A category people speak in similar ways about all oh, is difficult because of the pitch or St Johnson on a Sunday afternoon at 12 o'clock is difficult because of this and you're almost like making excuses for the slip up and preparing yourself for it Rangers a good manager big budget a squad who have all got doubts over certain aspects of it but compared to the rest of the league outside Celtic far better than anything else in, in the country if Rangers turn up and they play at the right tempo to play with the right tactics and they let their football uh, can come to the four. There's no reason why they're not capable of going to Tynecastle and winning their a recent record there is not bad at all. Yes, Hearts are on on a bit of an upturn, but Rangers are a better team than Hearts. Rangers should be going to Tynecastle and, and winning the game. Um, and if, if they have aspirations of going on and not just challenging for the if the title, but going and winning it, it's the type of occasion where you have to you have to go and win them. You look at Celtic in recent years; it's that mark of champions type type performance. Market champions type result. They've they've got those big game wins at, at the big moments. Rangers haven't, and that's why we've not been as successful as as we could and should have been. So I think it's a I think there's a lot riding on it. I think um, we'll be able to tell quite a lot about um, the manager to an extent, but more about the squad individually and collectively. Um, regarding after after what we see, what they can take back from Tynecastle on Wednesday. For all hearts have won the last four games. They're not playing particularly well. Um, and it's not they're not playing attractive football, you know. For all uh, you know, Stephen Naismith was a a beautiful player to watch when he was in, in full flow. But his teams have been they have the ground out results. But they won, I think, yesterday it was an OG um, against Kobama. You know, they're not they're not it's not free flowing football. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I wasn't terribly impressed with them. The game at Ibrooks when we beat them two one with a two late goal, I, I thought Hearts were brutal to watch that game. I was actually quite surprised at how poor Hearts were in that game. They, you know, they came to defend. It was like watching Mother in the in the nineties. They just came to defend and, and spoil. And I, I was surprised at the lack of ambition. And they didn't play that much better in the uh, the cup semi final. I thought they had very similar uh, similar style. And I'm kind of hoping that that at home though, you know, they'll be a little more expansive, a little more hopeful. Dougie, um, you 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 said earlier um, it's almost like this is planned. Um, you said earlier that um, we you know one thing about putting Dessels on the on the transfer list or asking telling him he can find a new club is you need to replace him. 
Um, Hearts captain Lawrence Shankland is somebody who um, seems to split the support um, when he is spoken about as a, a possible Rangers signing. Um, I, I mean, I have to say, I've never heard anyone from the club suggest we're signing him. Um, I, I'm not sure if Niels Copen is terribly aware of, of Lawrence Shankland or not. But, you know, he is someone who gets spoken about because he is capable of scoring goals in, um, in Scottish football, which is where we have to win. He is a player who we could probably afford. Um, you know, even if Hearts put a, a premium on him, I imagine he would still cost us a lot less than, than, than Dessers cost us. Um, he's the Hearts captain, so it suggests that he is somebody um, who you know, takes responsibility around the football club. He's an experienced player now. He's somebody who um, you would hope would be a, a positive around the um, dressing room. But that said, you know, he's a, a, he isn't, he's probably not as skillful um, and he's probably not as, as young as a number of other forwards that I'm sure you could just mention off the top of your head that Rangers should be looking at um, in, in January. But Shanklin, is, is that a player who's impressed you in the past? Is that a player that you would would you welcome a move for Shankland or would you see that as a as a retrograde step? I do rate Oren Shankland. I think um for all the reasons you mentioned there, I was just I was just trying to Google quickly where he where he sits in the SPL top goal scorers. He's he's um looks like he's fifth. Um he's behind Tavernier and Sima from a Rangers perspective. Um and there's three so he must be sixth. There's there's uh, three Celtic players ahead of him in that pecking order as well. But he's he's a top goal scorer outside of the the old firm. Um, I think for for too long we have not signed the best Scottish talent or the best talent in the the Scottish top flight. You look at players like Lewis Ferguson and, and Josh Doig recently moving across to Italy. I think I think they were ideal signings for us. Very a European perspective and, and, and signing players that are domestically trained. I think Lauren Shankland ticks the box very, very perfectly. I think like Doig and, and, and like Ferguson, the biggest challenge will be um, whether we can get them for the right fee because you already mentioned the word premium. That's what happens when Rangers enter the you know the, the negotiations with, with clubs like Aberdeen for Ferguson and Doig at Hibs and, and Shankland at Hearts is these clubs then look for for, for, for an added um, valuation on their players because they don't want to sell to a rival and they don't want to sell to Rangers. Um, so it all depends on what the fee is. Um, all depends what we get for the likes of Dessers. But uh, if the question is, do I think Lawrence Shankland is capable of playing for Rangers? I do. Um, I don't think he's a number one striker. I think if Lawrence Shankland was coming to Rangers, he would be he would be the player that would effectively be the backup. To the number one striker, so you you just effectively be saying that Danilo, you are our number one striker. Shankland is a player that's on the bench. He comes in like 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 Dessers did today in the games where you're resting um, Dessers. And I don't think there's any harm in it. I think Shankland Shankland's um, probably a player at, at his stage of his career. I think I think he's similar age to Dessers. I think he's around the age of twenty eight. I think his stage of the career, he's probably looking at. Um, he's a big Rangers fan. I believe he used to be a season ticket holder. I'm sure he'd be he'd be keen. To, to play for the club and keen to play in any role um, that the club offer. So I think I think it takes a lot of boxy for a lot of reasons. You know, he's, he's capable of scoring goals domestically, but I think what you, you, you see with Hearts is actually there's more to his game than a penalty box striker. Um, when I watched him um, against us in that 2-1 game that you referenced, I was actually really impressed with his hold-up play. 
Um, I think he can hold up the ball very well as well. So I do like Lauren Shankland. I would, I would sign him. Um, all depends on the fee. Um, I definitely think there's a market there um, for Rangers, and I hope that that, that Neil Scoppin is, is 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 looking within because you just need to look at at Kilmarnock as well. They've got a young boy Watson that's that's been really good this season. Um, I'd love us to be scouting far and wide, bringing the best talent from all around the world, but we must not forget these shores um, because I think what you're seeing with guys like Ross McCausland is that they're diehard Rangers fans and, and will play and give that wee bit extra when they're on the pitch wearing a Rangers jersey and I think Lauren Shank will be no different. So um, we need to make sure that we're signing players from, from all across the globe, um, but, but, but uh, definitely bringing in players that are domestically trained. And and for that reason, I think there's there's another another few players that, that we could look at. Um, I'll just throw Scott McKenna in um, to close the show. Um, Scott McKenna, believe it or not, is, is out of contract this summer at Nottingham Forest, an English Premiership defender. He is left-footed. Um, I, I would believe that. Um, we 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 are, we are trusting. You know, you've seen Clement trusting um, Balligan. Over, over Davies at the moment. I think that speaks volumes right now. I think we can see some movement across the entire squad and I think someone like, like McKenna would come in um, boosted from a domestically trained perspective. He would be free, so it would be good financial business, but it would allow you to sell someone like Davies as well and, Davies as well and bring in money that you can invest in elsewhere. So, yeah, I would, I would love I would love us to sign more Scottish players. I think I think it's good for the club to have, to have more domestically trained players. Scott McKenna, Chris, you fancy ending the show on a comment on signing Scott McKenna? Hey. I have to say that came out of left field. I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting that one from you. It's. I'll say it's not not a rumor that I've heard. No. <laughs> I think I think we just started it tonight. Um, Chris, Dougie, thanks. Good, Dougie. I'll make sure you get the exclusive on it. I'll make sure you get the highlight. <laughs> I'm not sure you want to sign for Rangers, unlike Shankland, who sat in, in, in Ibrox many a times with his family. I believe Scott McKenna has allegiances elsewhere, so that, that may become a big factor if we, we do enter the negotiations. Well, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. You've thrown me completely, Dougie. I have to say, I was not expecting Scott McKenna's name to come up in this in this podcast tonight. Um, listen, uh, uh, anyway, look, we've, we've bang on time. Um, Frankie will, will pay us all our bonus because we've not kept him up late. Um, so I'd just like to thank Chris and Doogie for giving up their Saturday nights, for um, getting the Cal Paul out and putting the children down early for us uh, and joining us and, um, and you know, telling us about um, Scott McKenna um, and, and their desires for Scott McKenna to play for, for Rangers. Um, just to remind you that the podcast is available on a variety of different platforms. It's on Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher and Spotify. Uh, there is a podcast planned for next Friday. I think it's Craig, Rob and Gary. Um, but keep an eye on Twitter and um, Frankie will keep you up to date with that. Uh, and I would imagine there is a good chance there will be a post-match reaction video um, from Wednesday night. Um, so again, keep an eye on YouTube for that. Um, lastly, again, if I can just thank Forest Precision Engineering for their support. Um, Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And thank Chris and Doogie for joining us and say good night and see you next time.